All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome, everybody, to Dropping the Glove. Me and Tim are in person today. It's so nice to see your face, John. Oh, it's so nice to be. I, I came to his apartment today, and he has the whole system set up. It's we're, we, we've, we've reached a new level, Tim. We're the big time now. We're showtime. I, I, I truly believe if, if we, we're going to equate it to a hockey season or a hockey career, we're in the AHL. We've made, we're professionals now. We're not quite a pro NHL podcast just yet. We're in the AHL or the East Coast. What do you think? No, I don't. You don't think we're in the NHL? No, we need our own studio. Okay, we need sure. our own stuff. When I do interviews, I still don't have backdrops. I have just like a white wall. We there's a lot of things okay. we need. Yeah, I like the AHL because we. I mean, because we're interviewing like the best players in the league, so it's yeah, that, that's worth a lot, right? We interview a lot. We still don't have the accoutrements that come with the NHL. The plane. The buses, right. the the travel, everything, the the masseuses, all that fun stuff, the, the extras that you get when you make the NHL. But anyways, it's good to be in person. It's good to see your face. You look good. I thought you were going to blow up a little bit. What do you mean? Like get fat. <laughs> From what? The pandemic? Yeah. Quarantine? You know, you never know. Yeah. You never know how people react to being by I mean, themselves I for two so weeks long. ago. So. That's true. Two weeks is a long time. But anyways, moving on. Lots of stuff happening, Tim. We're getting close to the trade deadline. Teams are shuffling positions, trying to figure out if they should be buyers or sellers. Teams are panicking because they don't know where they stand. It's it's definitely a strange time in the season, one that I don't think we've ever seen before because this is the first time going into a trade deadline. GMs know that there's a flat cap. So they know what they they have to work with or what they don't have to work with. So we're not going to dig into the trade deadline stuff that much, but you can tell just the pace of games, the intensity of the games, how important every two points, most likely four points every night because it's it's a four-point swing every single night when these guys play just because you're playing within your division, which makes it very exciting. There's lots of intensity happening. A friend of a show... Guy we just had on the episode, what are you doing? Closing the window. Sta- I'm right beside the window. I can close them. You were right. Before the podcast, I said, Tim, should we close the windows? And he just goes, I don't know. Are your windows locked? No, it's just an old building. Holy moly. And he's like, oh, they should be fine. If you need a hand, let me know. Holy bananas. <laughs> those are strong windows. But anyway, friend of the show, Brady Kachuk, 
man of his word. He said, we're going to go into Montreal. We're going to mix things up. He got no fight with the biggest, baddest cat on the ice. Yeah. I mean, Weber's going to be on the short list for strongest guys in the league right now, right? Well, it's deceptive because he's just a moose and he's been that way. Who knows who the strongest guy? He's a big boy. I, I would say I would put him in the top 10. Like he's a he's a moose out there. And he him and Brady Kachuk, they got tangled up during that shift. I think Ottawa was up two to one. And uh, Brady Kachuk, man of his word, he did not back down. He said, I will fight anybody in this league. And he did pretty well. Yeah, he did. He held his own. He he bum-rushed him into the net. He got a couple lefts in there really quick. I think it stunned Weber, and they just fell to the ice. Brady just kind of pushed him over the net, and that was that. I love that stuff. I absolutely... What, what do you like better? A nice fight between two legit tough guys or a fight between two guys who are kind of good fighters? The second one, especially if they're star players, like it's fun to watch like the heavies go at it. But like Brady Kachuk versus Shea Weber is like so much fun to, to see those guys go at it. And like just the stories behind that, like, you know, are going to come out. It's just so cool. I love that. I think it's good, too. I love seeing two skill guys or two just like guys who don't fight very often going at it because there's no the one thing about fighters these days. And I know people are going to maybe get on me about this. They they are too defensive. They they train too much in fighting, so they know how to protect themselves. They know what to do. They're they're not enjoyable. Curtis Gabriel, prime example. He's an in, in. I enjoy watching him fight. He just goes out there and he throws it. But if he fights a guy who's defensive, he's he's eliminated. All his exciting fights are are just gone because the guy's playing defense. And I I just feel like guys are too worried about getting punched in the face. Anyways, anyways, we did touch on the trade line, or I touched on it. Some guys are sitting out, Tim. Some high-profile names are sitting out. Kyle Palmieri, New Jersey Devils. He sat out. He's their assistant captain. He's a pretty big deal in New Jersey. I'm sure they would love to keep him. He was healthy scratched. Now, what does that mean when a player gets healthy scratched, Tim? Does it mean what is what does it mean? Well, in this case, it means he's going to be traded, and uh, it's it's they obviously want to protect him, make sure he doesn't get hurt. Don't they don't want to lose an asset that's worth a lot to them in, a, in I don't want to say lost season, but obviously the Devils aren't going anywhere. And Kyle Palmieri, um, he's up there in age. I know he probably makes about four-ish mil. Um, I think he's, he's going to be an attractive piece for a lot of teams that are looking for some veteran goal-scoring ability, leadership. Um, he plays the right wing. And he, he's been an all-star in this league before. He scored 30 goals in this league before. He's a good player. I think he's probably under the radar, for, but not for the GMs that have been paying attention. So I, I would imagine he's going to be one of the top three or four most uh, high-profile guys traded at the deadline this year. He's the definition of a guy who just flies under the radar. Like, he was with the Anaheim Ducks. He had a pretty good run there. He's been with New Jersey. He's produced, like, really, really well throughout his career. But he doesn't get any recognition. Like, this, the, I could not believe he made the All-Star game when you told me that. Was he there when you were there? No, no, no. That, that he was around that time. Yeah, yeah, that surprised me that he made an All-Star game. He's a good player. I feel like a perfect fit for him is the New York Islanders. Go to the Islanders, take Anders Lee's spot. They've been kind of sputtering as of late as soon as Anders Lee got hurt. They were flying before he got hurt. And ever since he's been injured, they've been trying to figure out how to play again. Like, he was such a big deal in that locker room and on that ice. And um, Kyle Palmieri could come in, take that position, ease up on some of the other guys. And I think he'd be a seamless fit. He is a low-maintenance guy. He would fit in Barry Trotz's system. Lou Lamorello does not like prima donnas. He doesn't like guys to go in there and kind of steal the show. Palmieri would fit right in. That's why I don't think another guy who I think is going to be healthy scratch would fit there, a Taylor Hall. I think wherever Taylor Hall goes, it's I, I liken it to the Tim Tebow effect, where... 
when he goes somewhere, he's going to be bigger than the team. Yeah. So wherever Taylor Hall goes, all eyes are going to be on him. And it's going to be a distraction. So I don't see a team that is a Stanley Cup contender right now going and getting Taylor Hall. I, I see a team that needs something to push them up into that category, getting him like a Boston, like an Edmonton, Philly, like a uh, I don't think Philly's a buyer. I honestly don't. You think Philly's going to buy? I mean, they beat the Bruins last night. They're only, I don't have it in front of me. They're only like a point or two back right now. Do you and, think the Bruins are a litmus test on Stanley Cup contention? If you can beat the Bruins, that means you're a Stanley Cup. No, contender. but I'm saying that because another win or two, and they're in that fourth spot. So like they're, I don't know, they're not a team that many teams are afraid of. But yeah, if you're talking about like a guy that, a team that needs a guy or two in order to to reach that next level, maybe they're the, they're in that group for sure. Yeah, I I think they have so many just questions. Carter Hart, what? What is happening with him? Like, honestly, I don't know how goalies work. I, I've I've sat next to goalies for years. Usually they put the tough guy next to the goalies for some odd reason. So I sat next to goalies my whole career. They're the strangest cats, and when they are not running good, it's bizarre. And there's no rhyme or reason behind it. Nothing changes. It's not like the position all of a sudden changes. It's all mental for them, which is so, it's so strange. I can never wrap my head around it where it's like one day you can be the best goalie on the planet and then something will happen where you let a puck in and you thought you saved it. And then you're just, your mind goes somewhere and you're just not the same goalie. I have a question. What, how does the, uh, the locker room setup work? Like is someone like in the beginning of the season, like with a pen and paper, like, okay, literally arranging every single seat, like, they're, like, like you're planning a wedding and like organizing who sits at what table. Is that how it works? Oh yeah. Who's doing that? The coach? Well, the coaches. Yeah. So they, they plan out before the season, they'll go around and they'll say, okay, we want our top players together. They're going to be in the middle of the room. Like, obviously, the captain, you're not going to have him in the corner. Yeah. You're going to have him in the middle of the room so we can, you know, talk to the team and be the face of the team. And then the schmelts, you put on the side. Like, I, I, the goalies go in the corner because they take the bigger stalls and they need their space. And usually you put guys beside them who are going to be in another lineup so they can have a little more space. And you just, you know, you, you put the core guys together because, you know, they're always going to be there. It's because they're... In each locker room, I would say there is 28 to 30, 28 stalls, roughly. And there's usually, there's always 23 guys in there. No, some, some there's less, 25 stalls. But, you know, there's always empty stalls. You don't want to have an empty stall right in the middle of the room when you walk in. So that's usually the captain or the, the star guys. Do you think the coaches ever, like, disagree on, on the setup? Like, hey, we should go Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak. The other guys, no, 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 Pasternak, Marshawn, then Bergeron. Well, maybe not that exact, but I do feel like they want to put lines together. Like, you yeah. want to have – so at the beginning of the season, you're envisioning your four lines. And you're like, okay, Pasta's going to go with Krejci and Richie. And we're going to put those three guys together so they can talk. They can build some chemistry. And you're not going to put pasta with the defense. And then the same with the defensemen. You want to put the guys who are going to be partners next to each other. And, you know, that's just how it goes. So the D are usually together. The forwards are together. And then the leftovers are just off the side. I was always a leftover. I was always, like, one of the guys who got the the stall by the door, stall by the goalie, stall by the corner. You never want to be in the corner. So it's the worst. But yeah, that's just how it works. How often do you see players like moving it around without asking the coach first? Never. 
Never. You all, you all, it, well, it's always the equipment guy. You ask, yeah, can I, you know, move? And they'll go talk to the coach because if someone gets traded or someone gets injured, someone leaves the team for whatever reason, there's that stall. And it's like, I want that stall. Like, <laughs> I, I would love to sit there. And so you go and talk to the equipment guy. Hey, can I move my stuff over there? And he's like, I'll let you know tomorrow. And they, they do the moving. The players, players don't touch their stuff. Like once you hit that level, you're not moving bags. That was one of the biggest deals of making the NHL not one of it, you know it, it was a part of the a part of the process I guess one of the accoutrements like I mentioned before you don't have to carry your bag ever 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 like you you barely pack your bag you pack it on the road you don't pack it at home when you go on the road and then once you pack your bag you just you don't even zip it up they say just leave it we'll put your laundry in there and we'll take it it's like perfect so after a game you just put your stuff in there and you walk away if you're at home you just hang it up they they dry it, they pack it up, and they move it. It's so nice. Whereas in the AHL, you're throwing on the plane, taking it off the the luggage thing, and then you're putting it on the the roller, and then you're putting it under the bus. It's terrible. It's terrible. So the NHL, there's so much good things that happen in the NHL. Like if 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 you ever have a chance, <laughs> make the NHL. It's great. It's honestly great. It, it was a great experience. That's good. That's good advice. I think more people should take that to heart. And when I do give advice to kids, I tell them most often, just give it up because you're not going to make it. I'm a very rude person when, when parents ask me what I should do with my kids. Like, my son's really good. You know, he, he wants to go play hockey, uh, move to Canada and play hockey. I was like, don't do it. It's a waste. It's a waste of money. Just stay home. Have fun here. He's not going to make the NHL. I'm like, I hit the lottery somehow and made the NHL. But this kid, he's not going to do it. And they don't want to hear that. But I'm just like, be realistic. Go for a scholarship. Try to, you know. But I, I crush dreams left and right. <laughs> I'm such a bad guy when it comes to that stuff. Because I think you got to be realistic. Not many people make the NHL. It's a very select chosen few. And you can tell who's going to make the NHL. It's like, if your kid's traveling from this city and he has to go play tier three in Toronto and there's like four divisions better than he is and he's really he really wants to work his way up it's like no no give it up it's like you Tim when you played club hockey in Boston you should have gave it up should have gave it up but just stop playing my favorite sport but stop trying to make the NHL like there are I think if I just got a chance Exactly. I never, I never found the right coach to put me in the right position. That's what I hear a lot. Yeah. It's just like, no, you just, you never, you weren't good enough. That's okay. You're probably good at something else. Anyways, moving on, Tim, what are we talking about? Uh, I want to talk about the Canucks right now. Uh, they pretty much, the entire team has COVID. Oh, we're up, we're up to 20 players, um, plus some coaches and staff members. And the reports are not good. Like some of these guys are saying like, they can't get out of bed. They're have, having trouble breathing, like way worse than, than I experienced. And um, there's questions of the conversation being happening right now that's like, do we even try to continue their season? At some point, it's like, you know, they, even if they quote unquote recover and return and test negative at some point in a week or two, they it takes a while to to ramp up like your, your breathing, your energy, your strength and all that. And like they don't they're not going to be in a conditioning place to be able to play NHL hockey. That's what some of the experts are saying. I mean, I'm not, I'm not one of them, certainly. But at what point, again, we're, and this is an unprecedented situation, but at what point do you say, you know what, we're shutting the season down for these guys? Yeah, it is. It's very tricky because, like you said, nobody knows how you react to this virus. It seems like somebody gets like, you got it, and you felt fine, but you're still feeling the effects of it a few weeks later. 
other guys like we talked to george the rock he was running a marathon three days after he got it so it's just you never know how your body's going to react we're right in the middle of the season this is crunch time it's playoff mode these teams need to play games so what happens to all like they played winnipeg last week three times and they had to cancel all those games what happens to these teams where okay I'm the Winnipeg Jets. I'm projected to play Vancouver five or six times in my last 20 games. Where do those games go? Like, I need those points. I'm jockeying for position right now. I don't want to slide down to fourth spot and play Toronto first round. I want to make sure I'm in the second spot. Because Vancouver, I think they're done. I I honestly think that they're done for the season. You cannot have the whole team get COVID and miss two weeks of playing and then all of a sudden jump back into the season and be like, we're back. Let's play like 14 to 14. Like it doesn't work that way. It's not fair to the team. It's not fair to the players. What, What is the route forward for the teams that play Vancouver? Because the only blessing of this is the North Division, the top four set. Like, it's going to be Montreal, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Toronto. It's just a matter of where they finish. Vancouver is the fifth spot right now. They're eight points behind Montreal. Montreal has two games in hand. Like, the seating is set in the north. Does Bill Daly or Gary Bettman just say we're going to call the season and those top four teams, we're just going to do a play-in seating round and say, you four teams, we're going to do a best of three or whatever, and then that's where we're going to lay. Or maybe they they, they do it with Edmonton and Montreal because they're the bottom two. What about just giving them like half the points, potential points? If you had six games left, that's 12 points. You could get so you get six points. Yeah, but the, it, it penalizes a team. It's, it, it's such a strange situation because Vancouver is not good. And just say they were going to play Montreal four or five more times. That's potentially 10 points for Montreal. And if Edmonton's lined up against Winnipeg or Edmonton's playing Montreal, they're not playing. I don't know. It's a very tricky situation. I don't know how the league, I don't think the league knows what they're going to do. But in all honesty, I think Vancouver's done for the year. You know, we just had JT Miller on. They just had a week break before this COVID outbreak. I'm sure that's where they got COVID. They had the week off. The boys went out. They exposed themselves to someone who they shouldn't have exposed themselves to. And then here we go everybody's got COVID. So that's that's what happened. Jaroslav Halak tested positive the other day too. So the Bruins are down to their oh. three and four goalies. So uh, Dan Vladar, who, who made his first NHL debut maybe two weeks ago, uh, played really well, got the win, but he's now their number one. Who's I their love his goalie. name. Vladar. Darth, no, D. Vladar. D. Vader. Yeah, I know. Like, how cool is that? It is cool. And he's a good goalie. When's Tuka coming back? What's the prognosis on him? I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's no timetable right now. I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, if Okay, I don't want to spend too much time on this. Are the Brewers buy, Bruins buyers or sellers? We, we talked about this a month ago when they were in a little better standing in the playoffs. Punt. Now they're fourth in their division. They've been sputtering. The only wins they've been getting have been versus the Sabres. They just lost to the Flyers like you mentioned yesterday. Are they buyers or are they sellers? I still think they're buyers. Why? Because this is the team, this is the core that that has the potential to go on a deep playoff run. You saw it last year, and or two years ago, I guess now. Um, and I don't know. I just think they they tend to play well in the playoffs. You've seen what these guys can do. And I think they're just 
you, I mean, this is sort of like beating a dead horse. We talked about this every year for these guys, but your your window of these players' prime, especially Bergeron, Krejci, Marchand, um, it's just close. Tuca, if he ever comes back, but it's it's not going to be open forever, and you don't want to waste these years if you have a chance to go on a run, which they do. So I think. I don't know. I don't think they'll make a huge splash. I'd love to see them add a Palmieri, for example. I think that's exactly what they need. But I just don't see them wanting – they wouldn't sell. Right now they're in a playoff spot. And yeah. They're, and they're a team that can go deep if they if they catch on. So, Do you do you give up a first-rounder to get yeah. a Hall or a Palmieri? I don't know about Hall. I, I, I can't make up my mind about him. But, yeah, I would. The Bruins aren't great at drafting in the first round anyway. Knowing that you're going to run into the Washington Capitals – who are just on fire lately. They've hit their they they found their game, the Capitals. They are playing really 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 good hockey. And you've struggled versus the Capitals all season. You're going to walk into Chara. Chara. Like knowing that you would trade your first rounder if you're Don Sweeney to get a player who could make you marginally better but you're still drastically undermanned versus the Washington Capitals. I don't think they're drastically Anything Across the board, they are. They're not. Uh, well, here's the thing, though, and and they know better than obviously we do. But everything depends on the goalie situation. If they don't have any chance of Tuca or at least Halak coming back down the stretch, then maybe they they they're not buyers. Do you go out and get a Devin Dubnik? Uh, no, no. He's having a great year. He's playing strong. Do you go out and get a goaltender? There are some goaltenders out there who are attractive who would help the Bruins, who they could probably get for cheap. I'm just saying, if if you're Bruins and you gotta if you're going in, you don't just dip your toe in. You gotta you gotta go all in like the Columbus GM did a few years back. Go for it. Like you like you said, you only have this core for this might be the last year that they're all, you know, together playing great. Like Marshawn and Posternak, I read a stat somewhere that out of all the players on the Bruins, Marshawn and Posternak, they account for something like ninety percent of their five on five goals. And all the other players combined, are, they have like 10% of their five-on-five five goals. So they need scoring. They need something. Like, they're, they're a team that's just, they don't know how to play five-on-five. Five. They really don't. They play great defensive hockey, but they don't know how to play five-on-five five and create offense. They, they've needed wingers to play on Krejci's line for pretty much ever since Nathan Horton left. Like, he's been 10 years. They've, they've needed, and they haven't, like, DeBrusque's been that player at times. They've had different guys that are okay, come and go, but he's been putting up decent numbers for the last 10 years without really strong line mates and strong, you know, wingers on him for him. So it's it's too bad. Palmieri would be great. Going to get a uh, Philippe Forsberg, his name's come up before. Taylor Hall, maybe, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's funny, too. We talked so much about the Sabres going on, like, the worst run in ever. But no one's talking about the, the Colorado Avalanche. They're they're doing the opposite. They're fifteen zero and two in their last seventeen games. That's incredible. That is unreal. And I, I it's just like, I mean, McKinnon is firing on all cylinders right now. Landeskog, Rantanen. We talked about them the other day. Like everyone, they're just so good. Grubauer is maybe the best goalie in the game right now, and they're just winning games in bunches and it's it's crazy to like think like no one's talking that much about them when you think about the like toronto gets all the attention right um and then obviously we'll talk about florida in a minute and who's also doing incredible but colorado avalanche right now are and i said this a couple weeks ago the team to be to me they're still my favorite to win the cup yeah we, we've said this for the last few years joe sackick has built this team into a 
pretty much perennial contender. They have their great players locked up for long-term contracts that are manageable, that are really cap-friendly. McKinnon, Landeskog, those guys, they, they're signed Rantanen. Those are good deals for this team. And because he's done that, that's enabled him to go out and get some tertiary secondary players like a Kadri, a Donskoy, a Brandon Saad. These guys, which other teams don't have the luxury to get, are playing so good. This team is – they're they're – they're very dangerous. Like, they're a really, really good team to go 15-0-2. And mind you, this is all the stats this year. I think you can take them with a grain of salt because you're only playing six different teams or seven different teams. So if you do get a team's number like Colorado seems to have, all the teams in their division, like, it's hard to see, gauge how good they are because they're playing the Vegas Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild are, are playing better of late but they're not playing the premier teams in the league and that's what is going to make this playoff so exciting it's like how good are these teams how good are the Colorado Avalanche they're 15-0-2 they've been lighting it up Philip Grubauer has been playing Vesna worthy goaltending are they that good or are they just a mirage we talked about it last year like they're gonna they're gonna run through the playoffs it's gonna be them and the Golden Knights and all of a sudden here comes the Dallas Stars just taking a dump on everybody's fantasy tables and they're just going to run the table to the to Stanley Cup Finals. Is, is this just a mirage like we, we thought the North Division was? And then all like Vegas isn't the team we thought it was and Colorado is just a cream of the crop in this division? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, they, they, they're right now they're tied with Florida for the best team in the league with 56 points. And Florida's another team that like they're, they've won six in a row now. They they they're ahead of Tampa Bay. They're ahead of Carolina. Both of which teams are are also like arguably the top teams in the league. I don't know. This these guys are just. I mean, the Ekblad injury is going to hurt them. I can go see them adding a, a defenseman now because of this. But they're just they're so good, and no one talks about them. They're so under the radar in terms of like the media attention, in terms of accolades and all that. But but Coach Q obviously knows what he has in these guys. The the strong forward group. Uh, that goalie Dreed Gear, he had another shutout the other night. Like he's playing really well. They get some solid decor. Like this is a good, good team. That even I don't know. Even though they're top in the in their division right now and top in the league, are they really a team that you're scared of in the playoffs? Though it's so strange. No, I'm not. Right. If I'm heading into the playoffs and I'm Tampa Bay, I'm not nervous in my division. Even Carolina. I'm. Is that just us? just having a misconception about those two teams you just you think of florida you think of carolina you don't think of hockey markets you don't think of good hockey teams is that just us being biased i think i think i just have like i don't know when i think of florida i think of like 15 years ago like ole Jokinen and like, ed jovanoski yeah and i'm like oh those guys are terrible no but it, if you look at their roster it, it's not like they have a star their leading, leading score is Huberto. I'll argue that. Well, what I mean by star is like a nationally known superstar. They don't have a McDavid. They don't have a Crosby or an Ovechkin or like these guys, a Matthews. They don't have that guy. I They have great hockey players. I'll give you that. They have a lot of great hockey players. I think that's why they don't get the recognition. Their highest paid player is a goaltender, Bobrovsky. And he's not even arguably the best goaltender on the, on the roster. Dreg Gear, how do you say his name? 
Uh, Drew Gear, yeah. He is playing lights out, and he's been kind of come out of nowhere. He's this big, tall kid, 6'4". He's been playing great hockey. They have an unbelievable one-two punch, much like the Vegas Golden Knights do. And they're just playing solid hockey. Huberto, Barkov, Verhage. He's been, yeah, Verhage. Verhage. He's so good. He's been playing great. He's so good. So they just throw out just good lines they don't have like a scary line you're gonna have to worry about in my opinion in the playoffs but they have four solid lines that can go at go out there and contribute anthony duclair wenberg vetrano like they have a good group they have a solid decor keith yandel remember how worried we were about him at the beginning of the year he caused that stink and what's gonna happen to keith yandel he's doing the same old thing he's getting a point every every game every other game he'll grab a point ekblad injury is scary but I don't know. Like you mentioned, I just don't see them as a scary team. I still think Tampa Bay is going to walk out of that division. They're the Stanley Cup contenders who I'm worried about out of that division. And I I just don't know. And the same thing goes with Carolina. I know they're having a good year. I know it's a good story, but I just don't see them being scary. I really don't. If you were to pick... A team other than Tampa Bay coming out of the out of that division is it Florida or is it Carolina? I think it's Carolina, especially with their goaltending. I mean, uh, Peter Mrazek came out of uh, injury last night or two nights ago and posted a shutout. He started four games this year and he's got shutouts in three of them. That's all he does is get shutouts. It's incredible and and he's just I mean we, when we talked about underrated goalies in the league last month he he came up again and again. He's so good and I just feel like the. I know Carolina is very similar in terms of like they have such good players that don't get talked about a ton. Svechnikov, Aho, the defense is arguably the best in that division, except for maybe Tampa. Um, I I would pick them to come out of that division, except for they're playing. If as, as it looks now, they'd be playing Tampa in the first round. Yeah, the one thing with Carolina, if they can get Table Teravinen back, that'll that'll really boost their team because he he went down with a head injury earlier this year and he, we haven't seen him back since it's funny the two teams in this division who are go it's either going to be carolina in my opinion or tampa bay which one of them is going to get their star back i think that'll be the deciding factor when they play is it going to be kucherov is it going to be teravainen because those two guys are the best players on those teams maybe aho is better than teravainen so, so is fetchnikov you, you think so yeah well i think teravainen is a he's a good player He's a very good player. He helps Carolina a lot. Who's going to come back? Who's going to get healthy first? That's a that's a big deal. And the thing that teams don't talk about with Carolina, their best player is on their taxi squad. Jake Gardner has just been getting fit. He, I see him running every day. Talk uh, about a secret weapon. Wait till he comes out. He's going to be a man on a mission. He's going to have one goal. That's to stick it up the wazoo of Rod the Bod Brindamore. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to win a cup, and I'm just going to do my thing. And then you're going to be super sorry you sat me and put me on the taxi squad. Jake Gardner, he's going to come back like a man on a mission. You mark my word. Mark he's, my word. Yeah, he's going to come back. He's going to have an assist and be plus two in like a couple block shots. That's that's a that's a Jake Gardner hat trick. <laughs> Anyways, we had, we had a new record record reach. We'll end on this. Jack Campbell for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He has slowly made the Toronto Maple Leafs decision to go out and find a goaltender a mute moot point. He has started his career with Toronto nine and zero. The only other goaltender do that to do that in Toronto Maple Leafs history is Felix Potvin. How long has the Toronto Maple Leafs been in the NHL? 
I think they've been in the, in the league for a long time. Since the beginning. They're an original six team. To come out and to win your first nine games, to steady the ship, to not give the teams, the team, the Maple Leafs, to have them worry about Freddie Anderson anymore. This guy has been lights out since they've gotten him from the LA Kings. Like he has been so incredibly good. You can tell the players they trust him more than they trust Freddie Anderson. You listen to the interviews. They're like, listen, this guy's playing unbelievable. We have confidence with him back there. The thing with Freddie Anderson, and I've said this a long time, he's a sensational goalie. He's very, very good. I like Freddie Anderson. The only knock on him, he lets in a beach ball every once in a while where it's just like, Freddie, you need to stop that. Like that was a floater from the blue line, Freddie. He'll make the exciting save where he's flailing everywhere, his hands behind his head, and he gets a piece of it. But then it'll just be a wrister from the from the dot, and it'll go in over his glove or through his glove or in his body. That's the one knock on Freddie Anderson. As a player, when you have a goalie back there who lets in those easy goals, it's so frustrating. It's so incredibly frustrating. Ryan Miller had a, had a stint of that for a while. Jonas Enroth, he was known to do that a, a quite a quite a bit where a goal will sneak in like, come on, Yoni, like figure it out. And then like he'll make this acrobatic save where he's standing on his head and the puck manages to hit him somehow. But going into the playoffs, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Stanley Cup contender, Who's their goaltender? You're starting game one versus the Montreal Canadiens. Who are you trotting out there to lead your team, Tim? I mean, it depends on what happens over the next few weeks, but if it's me right now, it's Campbell, even if Anderson's back. Like, the, he's he's the hot goal. He hasn't lost yet. He's posted a couple of shutouts. The guys trust him, like you said. And why mess with a good thing? Like, right now, it's his job to lose, and, and I don't think he'll lose it the way he's playing. But I think it's cool, too, just, like, not only his performance on the ice, but, like, the stories that have come out are just, like, how much everyone loves him. Like, the personality. He's supposed to be, like, the nicest guy in the league. He's known for, like, just pumping everyone's tires. He's a winker. He winks a lot. I like, guys that. on the bench, like, they'll escape by. <laughs> he'll just shoot him a wink. And uh, and he's just, like, there's so much, like, character and charisma and... Um, he just, have you met him at all? You, never, you know him? never. I'd love to have him on the show. The wink has gone the way, I, I'm glad that he winks because no one winks anymore. It's, a, it's cool. I think the creeps took over the winks for a long time and it's like, don't be gross. Don't be winking in, in the bar <laughs> and stuff like, hey, you know, like I'm glad it's back. I like that. It's a subtle way to acknowledge somebody. Like it's a, it's a, it's an intimate thing between you and somebody else. It really is. Because you're looking directly at a person. I'm just winking at Tim now. <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> Winks are powerful. They are powerful. During a game, it kind of eases guys. It relaxes guys. It's like, listen, if my goalie's this loose and he's this confident, I don't. I have nothing to worry about. You know what I mean? Nothing to worry. It's like when my kids come to me and we're walking on our property. Like, is there a bear? I'm like, don't worry. If a bear comes, I'm going to punch him right in the nose. And they're like, yes, you will. And then it's fine. They go and run, and they're super happy. So that's what Jack's doing. He's just telling his guys, I got this, boys. Give him a little wink, and away we go. It's so nice. I like that's, that's a nice thing. Very good. All right, Tim. I think that's it. You got to get to work. I, gotta, yeah. I, I regretfully have to leave your, your beautiful house. It's been fun. We should do it more often. Let's do it more often. Maybe we can make this a ritual. I'll come in. Now that you've had COVID, I have nothing to worry about. That's right. You're not going to infect me. You're like bulletproof. I feel it too. <laughs> you look it. You're so, <laughs> you're so comfortable. Wink. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate the support. We will talk to you guys soon. Cheers. 
Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 